there. Can I take your order? Yeah. I'll have the movie soup. What's up, Spotify? You're listening to Movie Soup with Seth and Nick. I'm Nick. And I'm Seth. And this is a soup of the day. Seth! Yeah, what's going on, man? What did we watch moments ago? We literally just got back from the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, Seth. <laughs> I liked it. I'm a little delirious after this movie. Yeah, it's a trip. Lie. Not a different kind of trip from... Uh, I believe a couple of soup of the days ago, we did uh, everything everywhere all at once. That was a trip. Different kind of trip going on here. Give me the give me the quick lowdown on unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah, the spoiler free quick notes are uh, Nick Cage, movie star, incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Cage is a, a kind of a down on his luck version of Nick Cage. He's living in a hotel. He is divorced from his wife and estranged from his daughter, Addie who he cares very deeply about, but he doesn't know how to convey it. Mm-hmm. How sad. Uh, and Nick just got turned down from the role of a lifetime, as he says, and uh, it decides instead to take a gig at a birthday party for... One this Pedro Pascal. ...playing Javi, the mysterious million billionaire in Spain, yeah. in Mallorca, and uh, hijinks ensue. And that's kind of the vibe I think that you get from the trailer is that like he's gonna go sure. hang out with Pedro and do that. Seth, well, uh, where do we even begin? Yeah, I think maybe we should talk about our exposure to the Nick Cage canon, for the sure. Nick Cage media. If I you think will. I agree, and um, I, we get into this a little bit on our on our previous episode discussing mm-hmm. the Rock, the Rock. Um, which, I, which came I, out the year it did, 1990. I believe it was 95. 95, excellent. With co-starring Sean Connery. Seth, what's your best Sean Connery impression? Um, I know to, we heard it on... I've come uh, to shave you. Yeah, um, we heard it a couple of movies. Yeah, listen, um, here's the thing. is <clears throat> I, I feel that you and I are in the same boat when it comes to Nick Cage. Uh, our relationship to him is very much like the latter half of his career when mm-hmm. like when I became aware of Nick Cage and sort of like uh, got most of my exposure to him he was already the meme mm. we didn't watch him become the meme he was, was the meme it was after not the base yeah the base. yeah and it's after him being like I'm gonna steal the declaration of independence. independence like that was yeah. my first Nick Cage movie was national treasure and it's not mm. until you know recently that i've gone further back in the nick cage canon which um, is arguably the the beginning half is kind is, of the better is, is, <laughs> is better arguably and you know there's been national treasure is a good movie i'd like and, to say and there's been like you know his sort of uh a re-emergence i guess i don't know if that's the right word for it with movies like um like pig mm. which is incredible uh mm. mandy Mom and Dad. He's gone crazy. He's still doing his crazy Nick Cage thing. Um, kind of in a in a more public way, I think. Yeah, you know? yeah. Definitely seems like he's more. Definitely seems like he's more aware of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in movies like that, I feel like as a celebrity, there comes a point when you're like, if you are a meme, you will hear about it from like your publicity team mm-hmm. or like a young person that you know, whether it's like a child of yours or something like sure. that. Um, but I, I, to, to finish up my little point here, um, I think it's really, it's interesting having gone back to movies like the rock, um, Mm -hmm. to see that compared to something like this. Um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 
I just, it's it's interesting coming to it with the kind of context that we do. Talk to me about your yeah. exposure to Nick Cage. I think the first time I saw Nick Cage in a movie was when I watched the beginning part of Ghost Rider mm-hmm. uh, at my fifth grade girlfriend's family Easter celebration. Okay. I remember it vividly because I really, because I didn't really want to go to the Easter thing, but I did really enjoy watching Ghost Rider. <laughs> Um, it's which yeah. is not the most incredible movie I've ever seen, but I did like it at the time. No, I think that my exposure is similar to yours. It's very much like National Treasure, uh, Na- um, Ghost Rider, The Croods. In kind of a weird way, I did see The <laughs> yeah. Croods when it came out. Um, and yeah, and then like the memes of like uh, the Wicker Man, you know, the mm-hmm. not the bees. And, There's uh, that that very now is like an ancient meme of him making the face. I know exactly. And what I don't. I don't know about. what that's from. It's just like I a, truly he's don't. He's got like that crazy eye face. Yeah, he's doing his, his like, thing. His and, he, and yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you would see like the drawings of it, and it would yeah. be like next to um, the pictures of Neil Patrick Harris, who uh, also coincidentally is in this movie. Um, Neil Patrick Harris doing the like true story. Yeah, as Barney Stinson. Yeah. Yeah. I um I just think that you're right. There's sort of this um ubiquity uh, with Nick Cage in this like meme culture mm-hmm. that whenever a Nick Cage movie come is coming out and it seems really serious or self-important kind of like not to like say I haven't seen Pig and you say it's amazing. Um but like it's a pretty serious movie. Mm-hmm. Um it the conceit of that is that he's a man who like loses his pig, right? He's like, yeah, he like lives in the woods. He's hunting truffles. He's got a pig who hunts for truffles. I guess and the truffle the scene pig. in the Northwest is like a big deal because it's like a big deal that he loses his truffle. Hey, pig. shout out to you, our audience in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, um, um, I agree with you though, and I definitely, I'm, I kind of wish I was growing up in the '90s to see the good ones. Yeah, just to see. Or the, I think the evolution my under and again we're coming at this from the the born in 99 uh perspective the barely a 90s kid yeah Uh, but i think it's just from my understanding of it this isn't like the kind of transition that nick cage or just like the trajectory of his career is Mm -hmm. like a really weird one going from like being kind of like mega uh, famous and well being like an indie like art house guy into being like the action hero in the late 90s in movies like face off and con air and then and then kind of coming back and then yeah and then becoming like the meme that he is Mm -hmm. then going back to the indie art house stuff and now i don't know now he's doing things that are so meta that he literally is playing himself in a fictional movie about himself things that are like incredibly Mm self-referential um and we get to watch nick cage watch nick cage movies in the movie where he plays himself and i'm 100 percent down for that yeah um Um, before we get into spoilers here yes sir um, while we're still sort of on the subject of this uh like the on the subject of the self-referential mm. nature yeah um i'm feeling like a lot of similarities between this movie and everything everywhere all at once sure sure um, i'm curious to I, I would love to hear your take nick on I, I feel like there's like a growing number of movies uh that have come out uh this year and in recent years that are sort of leaning into the just like 
that just have like a very that are very steeped in pop culture and are very mm. that are pulling from pop culture a lot and are relying on their audiences to have like a pretty intimate understanding of other movies and other media that have already come out. Yeah, I think it's the um my gut reaction to that is kind of like it's that thing of like nothing is new, you know, mm-hmm. nothing is original because everything has been so uh developed in your mind and is so derivative of things that you've seen that nothing really ever could be new. Sure. And I think what's happening now which which is interesting to me is now we are seeing media that we are steeped in being put on the screen in a in a referential way, mm-hmm. in this like meta way. And for us it's new and for other generations maybe it's not. It's like when you watch a movie with your parents and you're like, oh, that's a reference to this thing that happened in the 60s. And like, we have no context for that because we weren't alive. But yeah. now what's happened is the world has gotten so much bigger because of the internet that everything seems so much closer. It just feels a little bit more accelerated. Yeah. And so now like with meme culture, for example, like we look at it and we're like, that's cringe or whatever. I hate that I even just said that. But like <laughs> you look at that and you think... um, like, oh, man, like Nick Cage references the Nick Cage meme in the movie where he plays Nick Cage. Like, that's so meta. Like, what is that? Or um, in Everything Everywhere All at Once, you know, we're getting this multiversal media, multiversal movie about like it, that depends on my prior knowledge of the multiverse. But it's like now we live in a time when the, all that knowledge is so accessible mm-hmm. that you as an a movie producer can look at it and be like, no, I think everyone in the world who will come see this movie will ha- have a base enough understanding of like that, who Nick Cage is and like who what Cage he is. already means to pop culture mm-hmm. or like what um, the multiverse is. Sure. What I think like we're going to see a similar thing. We see it all the time with like the Marvel movies. Mm. It, the, while they are technically self-contained except for the team ups or whatever, if you watch Spider-Man Homecoming without seeing any other Spider-Man movie or without seeing any other MCU movie, you'd be like, who is Iron Man? Going to be a little lost. What's for sure. the deal with that? So I think that like... I think there's a growing... Sorry, continue. No, Finish it's almost like the cinematic universe of movies that are standalone now becomes our universe. You mm. know what I mean? Like it pulls from our real lives yeah. in a way that like when I see Nick Cage failing, I'm like... Yeah, Nick Cage is a crazy dude who tried to outbid Leonardo DiCaprio for a dinosaur skull. You know, like yeah. I I know that about him. <laughs> and so yeah. when I see him down on his luck in a movie, I'm like, that could never happen because he's a movie star. I would never I'm not like that. I'm like, yeah, for sure. I would buy that Nick Cage is a t- type of dude who is getting a messy divorce, mm-hmm. doesn't want to be and is living in a hotel. Yeah, I think there's a growing number of like, I think there's a, a growing Look at me. Yeah. Using big words. But I think there's a growing trend of like movies that or or filmmakers rather that are seeking to like immerse the audience in a in a in a new different way in a way that they kind of like almost put us in the director's chair Mm. next to them to create a sense of a big word verisimilitude like our suspension of hey i i was ready with that one yeah you were look at you Uh, theater school yeah theater school basically just um to create a suspension of disbelief for the audience that Mm -hmm. is so um so like well held by them that the audience is like 
So it can get really engrossed in the story because they are um they buy it so much yeah you know? it creates an in joke with the audience yeah, yeah it yeah, reminds yeah. me a lot i mean it just brings me back to just because we're talking about nick cage i guess but it brings me back to meme culture in a real way mm-hmm. where like the meme stops being funny once too many people know about it and what right. makes it fun is that it feels like this inside joke that you're a part mm-hmm. of and i feel like that's being brought to film in a lot of ways where the reason that this movie makes me laugh so much is because I already like because I know because I feel like I'm part of an in group like I feel mm-hmm. like I'm in on the joke but with we, the filmmakers with Nick Cage and meanwhile you're in on the joke with like thousands and hundreds of thousands of fans who go and see this movie exactly which is so interesting um Seth it's, I think maybe yeah. it would be a good time in our little show here to get into spoilers let's do it um do you want to give a more spoiler heavy breakdown of what happens after nick cage gets to spain for sure uh he bonds with pedro pascal's uh javi and they they show like a real budding relationship um Mm -hmm. which is personally that could have been the whole movie (laughs) yeah honestly and it kind and i mean it is yeah like that is at the that is the 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 heart of Mm -hmm. the movie What's um, happening at the hands, in the guns, in the hands? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, sort of after he's created this bond, uh, he receives a real gut punch from a couple of undercover CIA agents who ding, ding. reveal to him that Javi is in fact a nefarious arms dealer mm-hmm. and part of a huge cartel in Spain, yeah. um, which is very hard for Nick Cage to deal with. <sighs> he's, um, he's grappling with it. He is grappling Kind but, of a, there's an awesome, <laughs> this is hard to describe over a po- the podcast medium. Sorry, my chair. Uh, but basically there's this really awesome shot where there's like panning the camera around Nick Cage's head and he goes from being in a bathroom and then the bathroom like set kind of just moves out of the frame and into the frame is the party set where the next scene is. I don't know. I've just been thinking about that <laughs> one shot in particular since it happened. It was really cool. I was it like, was this, really cool. I was like, that's an amazing transition. I kind of love that. Yeah. <laughs> this is like an artsier movie than I thought. <laughs> it definitely exceeded my expectations in that respect, but it also like definitely played into them. Um, yeah, but um, anyway, sorry. W- uh, back to the spoilers. It played into them in the in the sense that it kind of like hit a fair amount of the of the the beats that I would expect from a movie where Nick Cage now has to be a CIA a, agent. A, a CIA agent. He's like, but I've never been a CIA agent before. But I'm an actor. Um, but I'm an actor. <laughs> and he he, you know, goes on this. Mm-hmm. This journey with Javi trying to does a little uh, bit of trying this, to take him down yeah, some reconnaissance. He's looking for the daughter of the incumbent yeah, president so. elect of Spain. Uh, um, no, not Spain. Uh, he's the president elect of somewhere else. It's not all that important to this plot. It affects like the direct area where they are at that yeah, moment. And but we we continue to see this relationship grow and you know he can't help but continue to be friends with Javi which i just think is such a clever and just it's just a really really beautiful choice and they're they just get, good friends they begin to work on this screenplay together that's which directly uh, that's re- the, reflects what's happening in the movie yeah which is more meta also just incredibly uh just a really good really good writing choice um and Mm-hmm. They they just get closer and closer and until everything comes to a head 
but they realize that it's all the evil cousin Lucas and they can finally yes. team up and take him down together. Yes. And Javi's evil cousin Lucas was the one who kidnapped the daughter of the incumbent president and later will kidnap Nick Cage's daughter. Mm-hmm. Bum, bum, bum. And they have to go to save save these young women together mm-hmm. uh, and then save Nick Cage's acting career with this movie that they make about, about the, events. the events of the movie. Where Demi Loved Moore... It plays his wife and yeah. <laughs> i am really sorry if you're listening to this and you're like one of my or seth's parents uh i did not recognize demi more yeah, real sorry i know she's like a super huge cornerstone of like 80s and 90s film but i just fully missed it <laughs> sorry everybody seth yeah um what what right <laughs> i <laughs> I think for me, I'd like, I guess, you know, I would like to hear from you first. I would like to hear about how this movie impacted you and where it kind of like sits in your mind in terms of like genre, you know? Oh, wow. Uh, Where it, it's, it definitely, if I was going to assign it a genre, I guess I would give it some, like a, I guess like a buddy cop action movie. Mm. Um, but they, they go, they make a point of coming right out and saying this in the movie when they're discussing the plot of the movie they're working on Mm -hmm. where they, there are certain like beats that they do have to hit. Yeah. Um, even they don't want to make the action movie, but they feel like they need to, in order to get people to come out to the theater to see it, Mm -hmm. they, what they want to do is make like a drama about male friendship Mm -hmm. and, I think that I think that to that in that respect, it makes it a little bit hard to categorize in terms mm. of genre. What do you think about that? I think that's fair. I think it kind of in that like a twenty four e way, like is one of those movies that just doesn't really concern itself too much with like sticking to something like that. I love that we have begun to just like. I I love that we've decided that A24 is just kind of its own genre. And well, I, <laughs> I mean, I think A24 does that thing of like doesn't really it doesn't it's not interested in genre. You know what I mean? I guess like that's the way you could say it. I just like think about a movie and I can't believe I'm about to do this, but I I, I think about this movie and I think about like Little Women, right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> but I think about Little Women and it's like Little Women is a coming of age story, it's a family story, it's also like a romance. It's also like the a tale of grief and sorrow and like just like the human experience or whatever, which like in a way all movies are about the human experience. But In a similar way, I think this is one of those movies that, like, it is, it's a buddy action movie, but it's also a drama about male friendship. It's also, like, it's also a comedy. It's also a comedy. It's also, like, a look into the sad reality of fame in mm-hmm. a way, which is, like, that, that is kind of secondary to a lot of it. But, you know, it's, it's about a lot of stuff. And I think that's interesting. Nick, what is, who else who else do you think a movie like this could be made out of or made of uh on the way out of the theater uh we saw this with your girlfriend natalie uh and natalie had mentioned like i think we're on our way to like the keanu reeves movie mm-hmm. that is like this i think that there's like that's another big one i think there's definitely that meme culture around uh keanu reeves that ubiquity of like 
he just is that guy. He is the woe man. He's the woe man. And I think that <laughs> the woe man, I think that's like, it's yeah. not a large group of actors though. No, you know, I don't know that beyond Keanu, I don't know there's anybody else who uh, you could make something like this about. Yeah. I mean, and there's no other, there aren't like a ton of actors who have had not even like, there aren't a lot of actors who survive situations like Nick Cage has been in with like, spending all his money all the time or like wasting all this money all the time without mm-hmm. being under this kind of public scrutiny of like something of like a scandal. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like Nick Cage, I we looked it up on the way over he, back home. It's been like, he's had like three or four wives. He got married again last year. He has two kids and yet he doesn't, there's no scandal about like mm-hmm. Nick Cage embezzles money. Nick Cage does these things. He's like still, a pretty normal, not normal, but like a pretty stand up guy in terms of like his public persona. For sure. And I think Keanu has a similar thing going of like, we all are look at Keanu Reeves and we're like, seems like a great guy. Yeah. I think they're, they're both kind of like still hanging on to maybe a little bit of an antiquated definition of like celebrity. Interesting. Yeah. 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 They're kind of still playing by, or I guess they're still, I don't know. To me, their careers are very like, just sort of playing to uh, an old set of standards. It kind of feels like their version of celebrity has a lot to do with like, this is my public persona and this is my person. This is like my personal life and I keep them separated so that I can have a personal life. Mm -hmm, For sure. Like, I don't think we hear a lot of gossip about what Keanu Reeves is doing, but when he shows up in movies, we're like, that's him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm reminded of in, have you ever seen always be my maybe? Yes, I have seen Always Be My... But Encounter Reeves shows up in the middle of that movie. Yeah, just sort of as himself. And there is like a lot... It it just... This movie, uh, Nick, this unbearable weight, reminded me a lot of Keanu's appearance in that movie. Where, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is separate from the plot of Always Be My Maybe. But there's just a lot of Keanu being like, uh, I'm incredibly physically fit from all the John Wick movies and kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I just, I think it very easily could have also been Keanu. Yeah. In the same way that in unbearable weight, Nick Cage is like, you know, I could do a little bit more of this spy craft, espionage. It has a lot, a lot of, inf- a lot of, a lot of similarities to yeah. acting. And you're like, yeah, man, sure. Kinda. <laughs> I would love to have seen Keanu in this role. I think it would have been really funny. How do you think it differs? I think it differs in that Nick Cage is older mm-hmm. um, and his public persona involves a little, I think a little bit more of, um, I don't know, just irresponsibility. Like I think that Nick just Cage. More shenanigans I, in yeah, general. Yeah. Like Nick Cage is a kind of guy who like, if there was a headline tomorrow that read Nick Cage spotted with drug cartel in Spain, <laughs> And then the next day, the thing says, like, CIA lauds Nick Cage as national hero. <laughs> I would be like, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, I would guess. Would you click on that link? Oh, yeah, I'd read it. <laughs> I'd get some malware, but I'd read it. But then if it said Keanu Reeves did those things, I'd be like, that's a little weird. That's he a little, seems that like, sounds fake. He sounds like a little bit more of a behind-closed-doors kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, um, talk to me about Pedro Pascal. Charming. Very charming. When he uh, goes up against Nick Cage in such a Nick Cage centric movie, I mean, what? How, how do you feel about his, that? I think yeah. he holds his weight. You know, I think he does a really great job. 
um, kind of being that that not foil necessarily, but that other for like Nick Cage to bounce off of. And his character is also like it lends itself to that. He talks a lot about in the movie being like Nick Cage. I'm such a fan. I love like this thing from Con Air or like this X Y Z from this and blah blah blah. But he's like. He's a fan of Nick Cage, which gives Nick Cage the opportunity to be like really cool, which mm. is like what he wants to be. Yeah. And Pedro Pascal yeah. like just absorbs all that. And he's like, I love this. Mm-hmm. I love you want to trade shoes with me, man. Absolutely. Take my shoes. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, Pedro Pascal is an incredible actor. Yeah. Um, I think truly a treasure. <laughs> yeah. I think there's also there's also something really cool to his performance where you know, for a while, you're like, there's plausibility to the whole, like, he is a mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. twisted evil criminal. Yeah. And you're like, you believe that. And you're eventually, uh, it, it's eventually revealed that he is not that. And he really is like this really sweet mm-hmm. um, guy. fan of Nick Cage. <laughs> but, you know, he wants to be a writer. But he just plays it in like a really nuanced way in such that you are. You're never sure. You're kind of like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop for him to pull out the gun and be like, I have you now, Nick Cage. And he <laughs> never does. And I, oh, I, I loved that about it. I really love that it can't, that it does, like you said, it comes, that reveal comes much later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, in like the final acts of the movie that yeah. reveal comes. And I think it's really cool. And I think that, I don't know, there's just, I think this movie is going to go down as probably one of Nick Cage's like better movies, if not one of his best. Which is... So, which is weird. It's, it's that the ver- self-referential comedy yeah. about your life is it, the it's best one. Rare. I feel like it's rare that I see a movie. A that I see a movie where I, a celebrity plays themselves, and I'm like, that I liked that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen super often. And then it's even rarer that there's there can be a whole movie about it, and I'm into it. You did know? you know that there was a movie that Prince did where Prince plays himself? No. What's it called? I think it might be called Purple Rain, uh, but like I once came, I don't know for sure if that's the name, but I, I did, think it's a little different with musicians because there are all those Beatles movies as well. Yeah. yeah. But it is like a dramatized version of events mm-hmm. and everything. But I came, I remember coming downstairs once and I was like watching it, watching my mom watch it. And I was like, <laughs> who is that? The only other thing this really, rem- the only other movie I guess that I can think of mm-hmm. is this is the end. Oh, sure. Um, where we see, you know, Seth, Seth Rogen, Rogen and crew. James Franco and Jay Baruchel all trying to survive the apocalypse mm-hmm. as themselves was, as actors. Yeah. Um, and that definitely has it's definitely very reminiscent of that, I think. And I'd be curious to see, like, I'd be curious to hear from the director. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, that was not Tom a click. Gormican. You didn't hear a click, <laughs> listener. It was my creaking chair. Uh, my Tom Gormican. <laughs> About uh, whether or not that was in his mind at all. Mm, like he, if he took some inspiration from that, From This Is The End. From This Is The End. That would be interesting to hear. I think also This Is The End is the kind of movie that would have really wanted a Nick Cage cameo. Yeah. Like yeah. They might have I tapped feel like him. this, to me, this feels like something that Nick, This Is The End was maybe like trying to do. Mm. This Is The End, of course, is like more of an ensemble comedy and yeah. maybe isn't as interested in maybe like this this i mean not i'm not trying to bash this is the end but maybe not as interested in like a deeper discussion on what it means to be a celebrity a celebrity no i think they just blew all their money on emma watson and couldn't get the cage man <laughs> yeah um no i think that's interesting i also think that like 
a movie this is also kind of reminds me of uh what's it called disaster artist which mm-hmm. is yeah. james franco playing um tommy wiseau tommy wiseau of the room fame or infamy i guess um but it's like the exact opposite of that where instead of like a farcical take on something that we all consume as a meme media mm-hmm. it's a real look at someone who is actually the meme doing the meme media and yeah. i think that's really interesting i think i don't know i think that i have a lot of weird ideas about this movie because it is so it is funny it's really funny but and it's then also it's, and it's just a really unique take and a unique approach to something that i think it could have very easily just been like ha 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 like a nick cage yeah and it, it has that element mm-hmm. to it but it definitely it it takes that further than i think it has I, more to say than just that yeah it takes it it, ta- it takes the, that conversation further than i was expecting it to seth there are i know listener i hear you out there wherever you're sitting are you sitting on the subway sitting on the bus sitting at home listening to us on a sound system very very kind of you to do that Listener, I can hear you dying to know whether there is a family reunion in this movie and whether Seth cried during it. <laughs> um, well, let me tell you, listener, there is a family reunion of sorts. Mm-hmm. Seth, were there? was there a welling for you? There wasn't, and I'm going to tell you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're in spoilers territory here. Yeah, here we stand. The family reunion that takes place in this movie... Yes is given it's given like a a degree of separation for the audience because when we see the reunion yes. we have now jumped to the movie that mm-hmm. Nick Cage and Javi made together yes the and movie because it the is movie. the movie within the movie i believe that separation that distance mm-hmm. allowed me to maintain my composure i see so the second reunion in my mind after that is the scene where Nick Cage and his ex-wife it seems like they're going to get back together and daughter sit on the floor of their home together Mm -hmm. and like have a moment of like calm together and just sort of chat about the movie and like how silly Nick Cage's dresser is and Paddington too. And then they watch Paddington two together. And I thought that would be more where it gets you like that image of, but it's not a reunion. That's true. It is true for me. I didn't cry. And there was no welling. Listener, don't get don't get it twisted. <laughs> Nick the, doesn't cry. The script is not flipped. Um, there's this image I'm of get like you one of these days. Never uh, make me watch Little Women. Uh, <laughs> there's this moment. There's this image of like the mom is asleep on the couch behind them, and Nick Cage's daughter rests her head on his shoulder, which is all he ever wanted, really. And the pan the camera slowly zooms in on him watching Paddington Two with his daughter. And there's this beautiful moment of like, I didn't need the glitz and glamour. I didn't need to be a movie star. Mm-hmm. I needed to be here with my family. And that's what matters. Yeah. And I wonder, Seth, if you think that the message of this movie is aligned with the real person, Nick Cage. If he is like, I just would like to go home and be with my family. Or if he's like, if he's like the, his... The superstar life is for me. His, his yeah. ego in this movie of a younger version of himself yeah. called Nikki. If he is more Nikki than Nick. No, I think I got to believe that we, we discussed this a little bit before hitting record. Um, the mm. just sort of how, 
how it was this pitch to Nick Cage? How did he get brought on board? Yeah. And I think the only way that you get somebody like Nick Cage on board with something like this. You got to tell the truth. You got to tell the truth. And I think you have to, you have to show, you have to, I guess, a, a, appeal to that part of Nick Cage that is, that is more of the family man mm. that is like the soft gooey center. He's at got two kids. Underneath, yeah. yeah, exactly, underneath the celebrity exterior. One of his kids is 16, and his daughter in the movie has her sweet 16 in the movie. I'm, and I yeah. can't I, help but wonder about that. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. Um, granted, I will say that, like we touched on, of the celebrities out there that you would could pitch something like this to Nick Cage seems like probably the easiest to get to say yes. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, I wonder if we will someday see a version of this. That's like Daniel Radcliffe. Sure. He's one that I could maybe, maybe, but like, that's the thing though, is like Daniel Radcliffe likes to take on weird movies. I can't wait for weird. Um, yeah, the Yankovic Yankov story crazy. I'm not a huge fan of biopics, but I have, I got, I'm, there's something about, I'm, I've got good feelings. It's going to stream free on Roku, I guess. Oh my God, really? Yeah. I have a Roku. Congrats. Okay. <laughs> um, what were you saying? You were saying. Um, I think that, you know, he's got his weird taste in movies. Um, I think he's got, I don't know if he has the meme ability. I don't know. I truly, I don't know if there really is anybody coming down the pipe that could make a movie like this. Yeah, I think anybody there's... younger. You know, I just think it needs. Like, I think a key ingredient is like the the more classical definition of celebrity. I don't think that real. Honestly, I don't know if that's really a thing anymore. It's the the barrier has been removed by social yeah. media by. Because we have such a lens into everyone's yeah, life now. Exactly. There's not yeah. like really room for a mythology to form around characters like that anymore. Um, I wonder, I I bet later, although he's kind of getting up there in age now, we may see something like that for like Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a very like behind closed doors kind of dude. Yeah, but, but still, he doesn't I do mean, outlandish shit. Like right, this. exactly. He's like a very part of the reason this works is because Nick Cage famously has like kind of questionable taste in the projects that he takes on. Um, yeah, and you know, someone like Leonardo DiCaprio does not does not really do that. Like he yeah. he chooses, I think, at least especially at this point in his career, probably chooses his movies very carefully. Um, Except for Don't Look Up, which I guess sucked. Right, but... It, whatever. It's, <laughs> it's like that movie was set up to be good and it was somehow bad. Point being, um, I think that... The Cage Man. I think that The Cage Man is one of the last folks that you're going to be able to do this with. I could maybe see it from maybe like a an up... Like if we, if we get a TikToker that has like real... Like that really sticks in mm. the in the culture in the and like lasts for a long time and has like an actual storied career uh -huh. then i could maybe see something like that but tiktokers are 10 a penny you know i mean now that's but true years from now maybe one day the only way we will consume cinema is via tiktok oh, that'll be the day that will not be the day i will not like that <laughs> <laughs> but i can see something like that potentially happening but then the flip will the the flip will have been scripted uh 7000 times by then and it'll be a really different kind of movie like we're talking about how this movie is like meta and really inverts and 
subverts the audience expectations Mm -hmm. i think it's unrecognizable from what that movie this hypothetical movie that i'm describing will be yeah i kind of wonder about like a jim carrey or something like that Uh, but like i think the jim carrey one is sadder i think it's definitely sadder because he's just seems like a sadder guy to me (laughs) um well folks on that note sorry uh this has been movie soups soup of the day on the unbearable weight of massive talent starring 2022 2022 starring the incomparable nick cage uh seth what are we doing next time we're getting ready for doctor strange 2 the multiverse of madness very excited about that we're going to be jumping into the swinging in to the raimi spider-mans yeah we're going to be doing spider-man 2 2004 Excellent. directed by sam raimi can't wait for that can't i uh, can't hardly wait i was trying to think of a pun and i simply could not hey don't worry about it man uh this has been a soup of the day episode mm-hmm. of movie soup with seth and nick i'm seth and i'm nick uh see you next time regulars